0: Hi, I'm Sherry. And I'm Fran. Welcome
1: to Modern Widow Podcast, Episode 21, Home and Vehicle Maintenance. We are still in our Whittle 101 series, and our podcast today is going to be very informative because we have invited Chris Walsh, contractor, to be with us today to discuss home and vehicle maintenance. But before we bring on our special guest, Chris, Fran, you know what time it is.
0: I do. It's time for weekend
1: shenanigans, notable events. Fran, did you have any weekend shenanigans or notable events to discuss today?
0: Not so much shenanigans. I think I mentioned last episode that uh, this past Monday was going to mark five years that my husband had passed away. I do try to go away for the day every year. I never know where or um, what that day is going to bring. So this year, I took flowers out to my folks' cemetery. So it looks nice for Memorial Day coming up. Then I drove past the farm I grew up on. And there were was all this equipment out in the fields. They were tilling, they were disking, they were planting. And it just made me so happy to see that the land is still being farmed because that was my home. Uh, until I got married. Then I took myself to lunch. And then I actually stopped at a beautiful winery and chatted with uh, some very, very lovely folks. And you know what, Cher, I got home. And this is what I realized. I hadn't been sad. It was another step forward. It's another year. I got through the whole day. I enjoyed myself. I did some nice things for other people and I hadn't been sad. So I, yeah. like I said, again, um, just another step forward. So do you have any exciting news or events to share?
1: Well, this weekend, I had absolutely no shenanigans and no notable events. And you know what, Fran, oh, it felt good not to have to be anywhere, not to have to do anything that I didn't need to do. And I stayed home, enjoyed my home, enjoyed getting the gardens ready and being with my poodles. So actually, it was a notable event that I had no notable events.
0: Well, this is true. I wouldn't have thought about it that way. You're right. Not to have a set agenda to follow. You know what? It's okay to just relax and be grateful for your life sometimes. And I I think we all need to do it occasionally. So good for you. Good for you. We want to welcome Chris
1: Walsh, contractor, to our show today to discuss home and vehicle
0: maintenance. Chris, welcome to Modern Whittle Podcast.
2: Hello, it's great to be here.
0: Welcome, uh, Chris, and thank you so much for agreeing to appear on or speak on the show today to advise us on basic maintenance for our homes and vehicles. Just so our listeners know, we didn't just pick Chris up on the side of the road, Uh, Chris is a friend of mine, who's done many projects at my home. Chris is one of those quote unquote guys who just seems to know how to do everything. Uh, he does kitchen and bath renovations, flooring, interior and exterior painting, appliance repair, plumbing, electrical. And even if it's not an easy fix, somehow he will figure out um, how to how to fix it. Sherry and I both know that Chris has already put in a full day's work. So we're going <laughs> to try to take it easy on you. So we have a bunch of bullet points and I will post those bullet points to you. And then I know Sherry will have some things to say, and I will have some things to say. So Chris, We're just coming out of the worst of COVID. And we know a lot of maintenance issues were put off during that time uh, just because service people couldn't come into our homes. So we'd like to give you those bullet points to talk as as far as what needs to be taken care of and by who. And this isn't isn't just going to be for those of us who now find ourselves without a spouse or partner who basically handled those things, but uh, a basic brush up for just about anybody and i'm i'm pretty sure you're going to have some great anecdotes along the way as does sherry and so will i Uh, So if you're okay, let's get started.
2: Absolutely. Can't wait.
0: Okay. Let's start with home maintenance. And I kind of divided it into interior and exterior. Kind of like the what, how often, and who. Number one, HVAC, which I believe, if I'm correct, stands for heating, ventilation, and air conditioning? Correct. Okay. So let's start with our heating system, our our furnace, or whatever heating system we have. What basic maintenance do we need to be thinking about Who do we get to do it and how often do we need to do it?
2: Well, obviously, especially uh, in the climate that we're in and most places in the United States, you have seasonal transitions where you go from heating to cooling. Right now, of course, we are in our first couple of days in Michigan here of 80 something degrees and everybody's calling the air conditioning guy at the exact same time. So obviously, one of my biggest things is when you know that the weather is going to be turning a week or two ahead of time, at least fire up your system, just make sure that everything's running like it normally should and no major issues. And that way you'll have a little head start. If, if you do have an issue, you'll have a little head start to call a service guy before he gets completely swamped and, and it's too late and it's already 90 degrees and humid. So that's the basic thing. And then of course, uh, for air conditioning, especially checking your filters is always the big thing. You can seriously, you know, really, really hamper your efficiency on an air conditioning system, or you can overheat a, a furnace if it's struggling to get enough air through the system and you can overheat the heat exchanger. So you can cause larger issues other than just dirty air duct so the the filter is usually one of the big things and it's usually the one maintenance thing that almost every homeowner knows how to do or should know how to do and beyond that it's really just knowing your system and you know if uh, if it's running normally or if something doesn't seem correct then you might want to get that looked into further
0: so i haven't fired up my ac this season yet i i hate ac i i avoid it at all costs if i fire it up and it seems to be working fine do i need to worry about it
2: generally no especially if it's you know a, a newer system or even if it's been around for 20 years and it's never given you any issues, then normally there's not much planned maintenance with, with these other than the filters. There's not a whole lot that you really need to do, except for maybe shift over your humidifier. If you have uh, one of those, that's a seasonal thing. But otherwise, these things pretty much just take care of themselves now, like your car most of the time. You know, you just do the basic oil change and those things. But yeah, most new heating and air conditioning systems are pretty maintenance friendly.
0: Okay, you know, everybody um, gives us Scary stories about the dryer vent, like dryer. Lint fires. Sure. Uh, You know, I'm I'm pretty careful. Every time I do a load of laundry, I clean out my 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 dryer vent. I have had my complete vents done every couple of years. Do we have to worry about that? What like what's the deal?
2: A lot of that will depend on kind of the configuration. Now a condo and your dryer is nowhere near an outside wall. You figure you probably have a long run of a dryer vent on the interior somewhere that runs through through a space that more often than not, if you've got longer runs with a lot of turns, you're gonna wanna have it cleaned more often. If your dryer is right up against an outside wall and it goes straight out the back, well, then you're not gonna have quite as much of a buildup over time as you would with a, a system with more piping. Okay, but so- the biggest thing, like you mentioned, is just clean that clean that filter, every, okay. or the, the lint trap every time. I know at, okay. our rentals, at our rentals, we have a community washer and dryer system, and I am amazed Every time I go down there, that how loaded the lint trap is. Mm -hmm. And I don't think anybody ever empties it. So it -hmm. it seems like it'd be a common thing, but sometimes it's not.
1: Chris, when it comes to cleaning the dryer vents, you know, there are people that do that. So exactly what do they do? I mean, Uh, I'm not talking about the lint vent. I'm talking about getting in there and getting all of it out.
2: Uh, There's a special brush cleaning kit. And a system that when you would you would either pull the vent off of the back of the dryer and probably if it's a long run, probably the termination hood or the little the outside hood off the outside and run this brush system through the entire unit. A lot of times you'll you know hook up the dryer, turn it on so it's forcing air out, and then use the brush from the outside because it'll push everything out as you're loosening it in the system. And then get the last little bit from the inside. You know, it's it's a special cleaning kit that they that most of those companies carry. And you can get it at, you know, if you have just a short run, you can get a basic kit at any home home improvement store, Home Depot or Lowe's that a homeowner can use to, to clean their dryer vent. Okay. Thank so you.
0: at the minimum, how often should we think about doing that? Well, I guess it depends on if you have a large family that you're using that dryer constantly. Like exactly. I'm a single person, I don't use it that much. So what do you think the bare minimum would be? Uh, once every Year once every 2 years?
2: I would think once a year especially if if it gets a normal to above normal amount of years m- amount of use then once a year should should be should be plenty for people like us that do very little laundry, you know, every 2 to 3 years is probably fine.
0: Okay. Well, while we're on the subject of heating, let's talk about fireplaces. I know we live in a cold region and people, a lot of people around here do have fireplaces. Some are actual wood uh, burning fireplaces. A lot are gas. What has to be done? Because this is the first time when I moved in my condo, it's the first time I've dealt with a fireplace. I know Sherry has had them. What is supposed to be being done and how often are we supposed to be doing it?
2: Well, for a wood-burning fireplace, uh, the biggest thing is build up and having a chimney clean a sweep, come out and clean it. And a lot of that dep- depends on what, how hot you burn your fires and what quality of wood you're getting. Usually, if you open and close the damper, if you notice chunks or solid pieces of, of soot falling down as you open and close it, then I would have it inspected and probably time for a cleaning. If you're just having a gas fireplace or a gas log conversion to a wood-burning fireplace, this is the time of year when you probably know you're not going to be using it for the summer months. Some people might like to turn it on every now and then for ambiance. But if you know for sure you're not going to be using it for a couple months, you could probably go ahead and turn the pilot light off and shut the damper just so you're not adding a little extra heat or losing air conditioning up the chimney.
0: Okay. Smoke detectors and CO2 detectors. I know that twice a year is the standard every time we uh, switch our clocks. Sure. uh, The time in fall and spring. uh, Is that pretty standard? Do we have to worry about them any more than that?
2: It's always good to... To biannually check just the test button and make sure that it is functioning correctly. Hold the test button in and you should get the long beep. A lot of people recommend to change if you have older smoke detectors with a 9-volt battery. Uh, I recommend changing those at least once a year. If you're due for a new smoke detector or you're just tired of changing out 9-volt batteries, almost everything that I do now is lithium-ion sealed 10-year battery on both smoke and carbon monoxide detectors. They're worry-free. They've got an excellent hush feature that they use now for our nuisance alarms. And you don't, I mean, for the money that you would have been paying in nine volt batteries over the course of 10 years, you'll save that three times over just buying a lithium-ion new 10-year sealed battery smoke or carbon monoxide detector
0: well sherry did you realize that they make different kinds of smoke detectors Uh, one of the things that chris did for me every time i turned my oven on to make uh, uh, something in my oven a dish that called for like uh, 450 degrees or 475 degrees every smoke detector in my condo would go off scaring me to death scaring my cats to death and chris had told me there are specific smoke detectors for your kitchen area that know that it's a high heat area and they kind of sense that. Am I explaining that right, Chris?
2: Yes. They're a little bit less sensitive and they know to only sense through a photoelectric, which is kind of a technical thing. And I probably can't even explain it 100% correct, but it's mostly a sensitivity thing. They know that if you're using it in a kitchen area that just basic smoke from cooking will not set it off
0: okay all I know is that ever since you switched it out for me I'm able to make my dishes that I need 450 475 without scaring my cats to death so hooray hey.
1: <laughs> you know I had a <laughs> a smoke detector issue at the house in one of the bedrooms it's a suite and it's upstairs. And every time someone would take a hot shower, the fire alarm would go off, and then the fire department oh. would come. Oh, and it no. Is- oh, yeah. This <laughs> happened about three times. And I felt so bad. It was all about a hot shower. And the smoke oh. detector was not in the bathroom. It was in the bedroom. Well, we got it straightened out. But that was one of my many anecdotes about oh. ma- home maintenance. Oh, you That forget. definitely
2: sounds like a, a, an interesting case.
0: <laughs> yeah. <Yes>. yeah great. <laughs>
2: that,
0: <laughs> not a common
2: one that I've come across yet. Nope.
0: <laughs> well, speaking of hot water, how about water hot water heaters? You know, I don't know a whole lot about hot water heaters. I just know that when they go out, um, it's not a good thing. So seriously, what do we need to know about hot water heaters?
2: uh, There again, most electrics, uh, hot water heaters especially, are pretty maintenance-free. The one big thing, and it depends a lot on the water quality in your area, especially if you have well water with a lot of sediment, most manufacturers will recommend that you flush your water heater every six months or so, which basically is hook a garden hose to the little drain valve at the bottom and run it down to a floor drain or somewhere, a low point, and just open and close that valve three or four times and let A couple gallons run out because there will be sediment that collects in the bottom of the water heater, which can affect the efficiency. And over time, it can affect your your heating elements and shorten the life of your water heater considerably. So Mm -hmm. flushing the water heater is generally one of the big things that most homeowners never do. But most manufacturers do recommend it. And I know you can probably, if you do do it ro- regularly, you can probably double the life of most water heaters. Well, uh, gas, water heaters yeah. gas water heaters, Gas water heaters, on the other hand, a thermocouple is probably the most common thing that goes out with them. If your pilot light goes out and won't relight, most likely it needs a new thermocouple. And that's, no, n- you know, most of the time that's calling a service, man. But it's but a $12 normally- part and it's a pretty easy fix.
0: Normally, don't hot water heaters, don't they last a long time?
2: You know, you get what you pay for. There's a six year, a nine year and a 12 year warranty is is the three different classifications that you can buy a water heater nowadays. And if you get the nice 12 year, it's probably going to last you 20 to 25 most of the time. Okay. Now, if you stick with the lower end, maybe sometimes you're lucky to get 10, 15.
0: And well, I, I guess once it's down, it depends on how many people are using it.
2: Sure. And your water quality. And you know, another thing that's is a maintenance thing that is sometimes recommended depending on your water quality is there is a thing called a zinc anode, which will, if you have a very corrosive water or, you know, high mineral content, basically the zinc anode is, is a little plug thing that screws into the top and it will corrode first, it will attract the corrosion so that it doesn't eat the internal parts of the air, of the water heater. And they do sell those, and you know, some people replace them every five, 10 years. Most commonly, I've never met a homeowner in my life that has actually ever changed one or does that mm-hmm. as routine maintenance. But people that are religious about it, they will flush your, their water heater every year and change that zinc anode every five to 10 years. And maybe mm-hmm. you can last, make your water heater last 50, 60 years. There's really no mm-hmm. moving parts in it that can go bad.
1: Mm-hmm. Very interesting. And of course, I have a hot water heater. <laughs> <anecdote>. <laughs> I hope so. Okay. Well, I have an anecdote about it. Okay. So this is my hot water plumbing story. And it's a two year <laughs> story. So last year, I went, I went to Florida, and a friend advised me that I should turn off my water. Now, not all well, winterize everything, but just run the water through and turn off your hot water, unplug the hot water heater. And I did that. I learned how to do that. Mm -hmm. I found the switch, turned off the, ran the water and then unplugged the hot water heater. So I was gone for seven weeks. I come back, I turned on the water, you know, the circuit breaker that did the well and stuff. And I went in and I plugged the hot water heater in. And I thought it's going to take a little while for this hot water heater to get hot water so i'm not gonna worry about it till tomorrow well tomorrow came and i still had no hot water Mm. and i thought what am i doing it's plugged in i have water but i don't have any hot water so finally i gave up and i called my plumber and he comes out and he says sherry your gf i think it's called a gfi switch that has to be near water Uh, thing or not outlet a gfi outlet yeah well, the little green white light that's suppo- is supposed to shine even though uh-huh. i pushed it i didn't re- i didn't push it hard enough um. and and so it didn't reset uh-huh. so mm. this year I said i've got this <laughs> i'm I'm going to go <laughs> I'm going to turn off the circuit breaker to the well, get the water out, and unplug the hot water heater. And I did that. Things went beautifully. I go to Florida, come back, and I, you know, do it. I push the circuit breaker back in, get the water running. And by golly, I don't have any hot water again. So oh. Then, aye, aye, aye. So <laughs> after a day, I called the plumber again. And I said, I did everything you told me to do. So he comes out and he said, Oh, you didn't push the GFI in <laughs> oh, far <geez>. enough.
2: Oh <laughs> boy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> ah- oh oh-, oh- you can see I'm not real good at the maintenance <laughs> department.
2: Uh no. yeah. Those GFIs, they can be tricky. One thing that I would kind of recommend for almost any homeowner, uh, a really unique, unique tool, which can save you from service calls a lot of times, or at least just kind of narrow down what you think an issue might be, especially if it's electrical. It's a little, it looks like a pen, kind of uh, a big pen, and it's called a non-contact voltage tester. A lot of electricians call it a ticker or a beeper because you turn it on and basically if you touch it to any wire or put it into you know the into it's got a little tab that you can stick into an outlet on the the hot side and it will start beeping and it'll show a light To tell you that there is actually power there and what's nice is you can touch it to a lamp cord or any wire of any appliance and just touching it to the outside of the wire it will detect voltage and tell you if you have power there or not so i use it all the time it's not a tool that you use to actually measure voltage um and it's not a tool that you would use to trust that a system is de-energized to be able to work on it but it is a great little troubleshooting tool to just let you know if you've got power at that outlet or power to that appliance or power you know to to the thing that's not working and and let it let you know whether it's a problem with the electrical in the house or the appliance itself
0: so if sherry had used that what what would that have told her
2: uh, it would tell to- it would have told her that even though she has it plugged has the the water heater plugged in it still does not have power so uh, maybe she needs to look at her circuit breaker panel or whatever is okay. the, nec- the next the to- next point in the system where there could be a switch
0: okay
2: and those gfis if they if if a gfi you know pops you know especially a a lower-ended brand less expensive uh you know once those things pop 10 or 20 times they're usually not going to reset very well if at all and you'll probably end up replacing them
0: okay well while we're talking about yeah and while we're talking about plumbing especially since we live in a cold weather region how about during the winter Uh, pipes freezing, how do we avoid that a lot of people go away for the winter, but a lot stay here and it does get sub-zero so how do how do we make sure our pipes don't freeze
2: well obviously if you're going to be away for the winter then yes if you depressurize your system turn the water off at the main and open up a faucet and let all the you know let the water drain out of the system so it's no longer under pressure then you probably won't have any issues with pipes freezing or at least to the point where it could build up where it could freeze to the point a hard freeze that could break a pipe that usually only happens under a water system a uh, uh, a house that's under pressure normally all the time. But if you do live in the in the climate and you are using your water throughout the winter, then the biggest thing is usually anything that's close to an exterior wall and which is mainly just your hose bibs or your your spigots on the outside. Almost all new hose bibs are called frost free where the actual shut off portion of the valve, the handle is on the outside, but the actual shut off portion is a good eight to 12 inches inside beyond the wall where Hmm. it stops the water so water never reaches the outside portion of the wall past where it's insulated if you do have an older system they make little insulate boxes that you can put over the top of your of your old valves um, if you think you might have an issue with that or if you know for sure that you have an outside water line that runs out to a, a seasonal water spigot or a sink or something that you only use in the summer. Make sure that line is shut off and drained before your first hard freeze comes. Just like a sprinkler system like you would okay. vacuum, like you would drain it up, depressurize it and drain it and blow it all out. Just to make sure there's no sitting water in there that could freeze and expand and break the pipe. And then you come back next year and pressurize it and it's blowing all over.
0: Well, what about the concept? They always tell us to like leave a faucet open just a little bit like uh, dripping. Do we do that or no? Uh,
2: I would think, you know, I think it was a more common thing back in the uh, 70s, 80s, you know, 90s. If you think that you're, you had an old house with plumbing that ran through the outside walls that wasn't well insulated. I've heard that before. I don't know that that's ever saved anyone specifically, uh, but. If Yes, running water will definitely not freeze as fast as as uh, static water sitting still. So if you think that might be a concern when the polar vortex comes and we're at minus 30 wind chills for a couple days, then it can't hurt to just let a faucet drip. I mean, uh, you know, a couple bucks on your water bill versus, you know, uh, a blown water line. If you live in an old, old house and especially if you have, you know, some older plumbing lines, and they run through outside wall, exterior walls, then maybe it's a, a good idea to let them, just to be safe.
0: Okay. Well, this is the last interior bullet point I have. And then uh, I, I just have a few for the exterior, but um, interior, let's talk rodents, squirrels and mice in our attics. Oh, uh, my what, you know, Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. But uh, what, what do we do?
2: Oh boy. The biggest thing is, especially before winter comes, when all the little fuzzy guys are going to look for a warm place to go, you know, do a, a a visual inspection of the exterior, make sure there's no large holes or, you know, fascia that has pulled away or other parts of the siding or, or any place where, you know, and, and you're not going to find them all usually, you know, because a, a, a mouse can th- fit through a hole the size of a penny. But if you go around and, you know, just do a visual inspection that nothing has been damaged or wind didn't pull something away and and give give the little critters an access point, that's the biggest thing. They, you know, have a lot of wood repairs I've had to rep- uh, replace with something metal or metal sheeting or flashing just to cover up a hole so they can't get through anymore. Uh, a lot of people use peppermint oil as a deterrent <laughs> for rodents seems to be seems to be something that they don't right. like, but people don't mind so much. Otherwise, uh, the worst thing I don't like using poison, mostly because number one, poisons affects other wildlife, you know, throughout the food chain, and because you don't want, especially a larger rodent, a squirrel, say, to eat a bunch of poison, then go into your attic and die inside of a wall where you can't ever get it out. And it's just going to stink and bring oh flies for a couple months. So Sorry. I try and stay away from poison. I uh, generally prefer live trapping if if you really just want to get rid of them, you know, get, get rid of them and get them out of there. But the biggest thing is to Try and seal up as many access points as you can before the season comes and not have to deal with them ever in the first place.
0: Okay, let's cover a couple of exterior points. And these are things that uh, women especially, well, I'm talking about widows, would have absolutely no idea what to do or that they even should be thinking about it. Checking their chimneys, checking their roof, checking their gutters, their stairs, their decking. What should we be looking for do we need to be looking for something? Do we need to call someone in once a year to be checking those things? I mean, I, I know in particular areas that gutters are a big problem. So like what what do you
2: recommend? Well, I mean, every house is is an individual case, I assume, <laughs> you know. Uh, and with newer systems, especially with gutters, you know, if you have good installed gutter toppers, then hopefully you shouldn't have to clean them very often, if at all but definitely before the rainy season hits you know make sure that everything is flowing good go out during a good rain and and see that all your downspouts are flowing if they go underground uh, out to a pop up or something like that make sure that the pop up drains or the x you know the exit the termination of wherever it goes to is flowing and if so you know generally that's a pretty maintenance free thing if you've got open gutters with lots of trees maple trees and all that Well, then know that at least annually, sometimes twice annually, you're going to have to get up there and probably clean them out or have somebody go clean them out if you have that type of an older system without any gutter toppers. Otherwise, you know, uh, a lot of it just depends, a lot of your exterior maintenance just depends on the type of home you have and the climate that you're in. Down in Florida is very moist climate when I've lived there. We did lots of wood repairs just because wood doesn't last in that climate. You know, up, you know, up here especially if you have a brick house or a block house, stucco, you know, you don't have a lot of siding concerns and newer aluminum or vinyl siding, say, or smart siding, composite types, almost all the new systems within the last 20 years or so are basically maintenance free. Maybe a little bit of paint every now and then. But, you know, unless you notice an area of concern where water damage is causing an issue, or especially if you notice any staining in your ceiling that you might have a, rip- a, uh, a roof leak at some point, you know, knowing depending on the age of your roof and, you know, what type of roofing system you have, a lot of it is just being aware and familiar with your own house, your own climate, and what some of the more maintenance you know uh, some of the more uh, types of building and construction that do require more maintenance knowing if you have that type of house and then making your own checklist of what to check every year you know certain areas that might be a problem or you know and and a lot of it's just mostly visual inspection
0: well that's what i was going to say i mean i guess it behooves uh, any homeowner whether it's a couple or whether it's a widow or widower or just a single person you Either. need to keep your eyes. You need to keep your eyes open on your own home. You mm-hmm. have to be vigilant. You have to be vigilant with the upkeep because for heaven's sake, if you think that you notice something is going on, the worst thing that you can do is keep putting it off and keep putting it off. But you know, a lot of this stuff is stuff that especially women Chris, they're just not going to be able to do, they're not, they're not going to do it. They're not, not going to know what to do. They're not going to climb up on a ladder and do my gutters need to be cleaned safety issues, just the fact that I'm sorry, but I might do it but somebody else might do it. How do we find a reliable Person to come and do maintenance checks, or if we need to have something taken care of, how do we find somebody reliable to do that?
2: Great question. Because uh, as we all know, there's a lot of unscrupulous contractors out there that like to take advantage of unsuspecting or unknowledgeable homeowners, especially, you know, same with an auto mechanic. Uh, A lot of times, you know, you want to get a second opinion, almost like a doctor. But my biggest thing is, you know what, use your friends use referrals, use ratings and reviews, you know, the, the, with the internet now, especially there's so much research you can do on any business. And, uh, you know, like Facebook community groups are really good sources also. You know, I see, I see, People question, you know, all the time, who should I call for this? And who should I call for that? And, you know, in both my community group here in Michigan and in Arizona, there's usually a 100 responses every time somebody asks a question, who should I call? And in those 100 responses, you'll get three or four that say, Oh, yeah, so and so whoever was just mentioned, you know, four or five people will back up another person's recommendation. So, you know, Mm -hmm. you've already got multiple reviews from reliable sources. And at best, if you can just in your close friends network, see who your friends use. And if Mm -hmm. they're happy with them, uh, I myself, I work on referral only and... Of course, right now, I don't take any new customers just because once you're, if you're good, your name gets out and you'll be, you'll, you'll have a, you'll have a set client list for, for a long time. And I, I don't, you know, like I said, I'm at the point where it I don't like turning people away, but I really just, you know, I don't want to get overwhelmed because it is hard to find good people and I want to be able to provide that same service to my good clients. And I don't sure. want to be overwhelmed to the point where I can't take care of. The people that recommended me in the first place.
0: Well, over the over the years, because you've been doing this for quite a few years, what do you think the most common calls you get? What what are they?
2: Oh boy, most of the time it's just leaky stuff. A lot of plumbing leaks <laughs> because that's obvious to people when something's wet under their sink, you know, that's 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 a pretty common one. Otherwise electrical stuff is usually also the most common and a lot of that is GFI switches, or there are now GFI breakers that they put into electrical panels. Uh, if you are a newer house that might have that, um, those are another thing to check, and the breaker panel in general. Uh, like I said, with a, a good thing for troubleshooting is that the little non-voltage, uh, non-contact voltage tester, and that can tell you whether the problem is with the appliance or with the wiring mm-hmm. in, the, in the house. And if you've got power to you know everywhere else in the house, except for maybe a couple outlets, maybe it's mm-hmm. just at the breaker. I mean, I really hate to charge someone $50 to go flip a breaker, but it it, it happens all the time. And they say, no, 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 I checked it. I checked it. You know, I'm going to go check it too. I hope it doesn't offend you. but And here's the one. And a lot of times, a lot of times you won't notice because in a circuit breaker, when it trips, it only goes halfway and you mm-hmm. can't tell that it's all the way off. Or maybe you, if you're looking at it at a certain angle, you can't see the little pink indicator that shows that it's actually been tripped. So a lot of times it's, you, you know, you, you just have to almost wiggle each each circuit breaker and see if there's one that is not all the way over to the on position. And if it has tripped, you have to flip it back to the off position and then back to the on position. But you know, yeah. circuit. You know, GFI's, electrical, and plumbing leaks are generally half of my business.
0: Well, share. I think we're going to have to have Chris back to talk about the whole vehicle maintenance thing because um, <laughs> gosh, this took a lot longer than I thought. Uh, but I, I know at some point we do want to talk about vehicle maintenance because oh, sure, and we can spend
2: another hour or two just on house. Yeah,
0: seriously, for, especially for widows, our our husbands or our partners or whatever, they usually took care of all of that. But share, I. I'm pretty sure you still have
1: some funny stories. Well, the good thing about vehicle maintenance is a light goes off.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, you know something is wrong. Where in a house, sure. nothing goes off until it doesn't work. Well, and the
2: light doesn't Yeah, blow, that's that your that indicator, means- right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I do look forward to the vehicle maintenance part. And Chris, thank you so much. I have to say, this was very informative. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So thank you for coming on our show. And I hope you'll come back to talk about vehicles.
2: Yeah, I can't wait. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: Okay, thanks, Chris. And go get some rest.
2: All right. Take care, ladies. It's Miller time. Bye. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Bye Bye-bye. Bye now.
1: We want to thank our executive producer for her continued expert advice and critiques of our podcast. Many, many thanks to Park North Studios for mixing our audio. A very special thanks to our guest, Chris Walsh. And of course, we always want to thank you, our listeners for tuning in each week and listening to Modern Whittle Podcast. If you would like to write a comment, our email address is modern.whittle.podcast at gmail.com. Once again, That's modern.widdle.podcast at gmail.com. And you can listen to our podcast on the following apps. Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Google Podcasts. I'm Sherry.
0: And I'm Fran. We hope that you'll tune in next week. Next week's guest is going to be our good friend, Reverend Manish, who will be speaking to us on Loving Yourself. So, until next time, remember... The road ahead will always be under construction, so watch out for the potholes. See ya. Bye-bye. A
3: chair is still a chair, even when there's no one sitting there. but I- Good night. A room is still a room, even when there's nothing there but gloom.